we're happy to be finally, for the first time, in this part of the woods. I don't think I've ever been in this part of Manhattan, Baruch Hashem. Shechem. Class is, we have, uh, do you want to mention the refuah for her? Moshe David Ben Golda. Okay, we're going to try to elaborate and open up a new vista, hopefully for most people, on the power and the necessity of being Bismcha and how that is a way to save a person. Rabbi Nachman has a story and it's called in Breslov literature, Saved by Joy. What's the story? The story is of a Jewish clay digger in Eastern Europe, in Russia. Digging clay, that was his job, digging clay. So how much money did he make? <laughs> Poor guy, a real nebech, a real misken, okay? And once, while digging, he came across a giant diamond, gem. And it was humongous and big. And he said, wow. He took it to the jeweler. And the jeweler said, I can't give you an estimation on the value of this stone. So he said, where should I go? He said, your chances are to go to the, the, the biggest diamond exchange in the world, which at the time was in England. Go to London. There they can give you an estimation on this giant stone. So he sold everything he had. He sold his house, his horse, his wagon, everything to have money in order to be able to make the trip all the way from Eastern Europe to England. By the time he got to the edge of the European continent, his money finished. He had no more money to take the boat to sail to England. So what did he do? He saw giant ships there docked at the border. And he saw a captain of a humongous ship. And he went up to him. He showed him the diamond. He says, look, my money is here. I'm not fooling you anything. Here's, here's my money. I don't have any cash to give you right now. Would you be ready and willing that as soon as we cross, I'll sell the diamond and I'll pay you for my fare? The captain was excited. He saw this big diamond. He said, for sure, no problem. Welcome on my ship. I'll give you a big room and everything. He gave him the penthouse on the, on the ship, a giant ship. And they set for sale. And the Jew was there happy. He set the table with a little bit of food that he had left with him. And he put the diamond on the table. The captain came to visit him because he's a very a guest, a very prominent visitor on the, on the ship. So after the captain left, talking to him, the, the Jew dozed off. And the steward came in to clean the room, to clean the table off. And he didn't notice the diamond on the tablecloth. It's not like today we have disposable tablecloths. It was a real tablecloth. So he uh, closed it up, took it to the deck, shook off all the contents on the tablecloth into the sea. Okay, which sea is that? The Baltic Sea? North of Europe, between, Europe, between France and England. I think it's the Baltic Sea. Sir? English Channel, but it's also there's a sea there. Whatever. So he woke up, the Jew, after dozing off for about 10, 15 minutes, and he sees the table is clean, and there's no diamond. So he said, my life is finished. It's over. This captain, when he finds out that I don't have money to pay him, he's going to kill me. It's for sure. There's no other alternative here. It's for sure there's going to be sure death sentence for me when he finds out. And he didn't know what to do, and he was panicking. And he, for a second, thought, the only thing that can save me right now, between me and death, is if I put on a smiley face, and I pretend that nothing happened, everything's fine and done, everything's okay. So he worked on that. The captain came in, and he's smiling, the Jew's smiling, he's shaking, but he's smiling at the same time. By miracle, the captain came in with a serious face, like a, not a serious, like angry face, but like a worried face, and like a submitted face. 
The captain said to the Jew, listen, I see you're a very honest man, and I can trust you. I have a very big favor to ask of you. What's the favor? On this ship, I have here a cargo load, the whole ship, of wheat, which is meant for the, Europe, the English country, the, 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 the whole continent of England, whatever. And it, the value surpasses your diamond even. That's how much wheat is on this cargo. It's enough for like a few years, whatever, of supply for, the, for, many, for millions of people. But the thing is, when I, as a, a common merchant, when I bring in this to England, the tax rate on me, because I'm a merchant, is much higher than normal. If you instead, you're a first timer, you would approach and you show your papers to them at the border, they will let you in and have the tax rate very low. I ask you this favor, can we switch all of the cargo of the wheat under your name? And that way, when we cross the border, under your name, the tax is low, you'll pay it, I'll give you the money to pay it. And then afterwards, please bring it back to me on my name. I feel I can trust you to do this. So the Jew said to himself, thank God. He said to him, with pleasure, because this is the favor that's going to save him. Right? And when he, he's done in this favor, when he finds that he doesn't have the money to pay him, he'll, he'll be able to calm down. He'll be, he'll be consolated that he did in this favor. So they crossed the, the border, the tax border in England as they arrived in Tilano with this giant ship. And all of a sudden, after it happened, the captain was so happy and excited, he started to gasp with pain on his chest, and he fell to the ground, collapsed, and died, leaving all of the wheat under the name of this Jewish poor peddler, for this guy from this, this, this clay digger from Eastern Europe. So Rabbi Nachman concludes the story like this. He says that this wheat, the diamond, sorry, the diamond, really did not belong to this Jewish uh, clay digger. Proof is, it was taken away from him. However, the wheat did really belong to this Jewish person. Proof being that it, he ended up with it. And how did he come to what really belongs to him? Because he was able, he forced himself to be besimcha by taking a positive attitude. Hashem helped open the doors for him to come to what is truly destined to be his. And he gives this Rabbi Nachman now, that's the end of the story. He gives this as a rule that this is how a person comes to what is really his in life. The way the address to come to it is simcha. It's a clear pasuk in the Navi. Ki besimcha tetzeu. The verse we say, we say every Motzei Shabbat this verse, that says that with joy you will come out of exile. In other words, when the Mashiach comes and it's time for the redemption, so the opening will be joy. Rabbi Nachman interprets it, wait a second, it's ki besimcha, through simcha joy already, you will come out of what? Not just the final exile, the final redemption of all this exile, but any time you are stuck in life, in any situation, there is an obstacle, there is a blockage between you and what belongs to you really, your real destiny, what, what's, what's addressed towards you. The key to come to that is joy, as opposed to fretting and worrying and being broken, where when a person is in that situation, they're, they're apt 98% to make the wrong decisions, the wrong moves, the wrong choices, and lose what is really for them. How does a person come to what's really to him? Is if he's able to work on this power force called Simcha. Because of this, 
Rabbi Nachman put such a major, major emphasis on that a person maintain a positive attitude. Because opening oneself to worry, which leads to sadness and depression, believe it or not, is the cause for everything else in life. We're talking about sicknesses, difficulties, Shalom Bayit issues, education issues, all types of setbacks in life. It's rooted in worry that led to sadness, that led to depression. If that's the case, we have to clip it at its root before its, its inception that it becomes to develop and work on a positive attitude. Because this, Rabbi Nachman's famous statement of mitzvah gedola, liot besimcha tamid, right? It's a big mitzvah to be happy always. People ask, especially the, the Litvaks, they're like, they're like asking their breast lovers, challenging them, where's it a mitzvah? Where's it written in the Torah in the 613 mitzvot that it's a mitzvah to be happy always? It's a clear pasuk, people don't realize it. It's in Parshat Kitavo. Parshat Kitavo, towards the end of the Chumash, we read it in Elul. In, in, that, in that parsha, there's a list of all the punishments and curses if the Jews don't do the will of Hashem. And at the end, it says, all this will come to you all this comes to you because you didn't serve Hashem with joy and a good heart. It doesn't say, all this comes to you because you didn't serve Hashem. It didn't say that. You're serving Hashem. Fine, you're doing mitzvot and Shabbat, but you're not doing it besimcha. That's it. That's the opening for destruction and damage, God forbid. All right? Just, I, I always, when I bring this up, I have to just recall something which is sad, but it, there's a positive side to it. In Yerushalayim, there's next to the grave of David HaMelech on Mount Sion, where the Diaspora Yeshiva is, if you know where that is, there is a place called the Cellar of the Holocaust, Martef HaShoah, which was the original Yad Vashem after 1967, okay? They have their amazing artifacts left from the, from the Holocaust. There's like tiny, tiny tefillin that someone smuggled into the concentration camps. He was able to write super-duper tiny tefillin, smuggled them in and wore them. They have them on display, these actual tefillin. Another thing they have there, which is shocking, is a jacket made of parchments of a Sefer Torah. Okay? What's the story behind this jacket? This jacket was made by a tailor under the orders of a Nazi uh, official. He told the Jew to make a, a jacket out of the Sefer Torah in order to derogatory, to, to degrade the Jews and then the camps. So what did this tailor do? He took all the curses in Parashat Kitavo, Arur, 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 put it on the back. So when the German put on the jacket, he's walking, trying to degrade them. You have the curses on the back, and the Jews were looking, and they're, they're mocking, they were laughing at him. They had the last laugh. I was on the side this point. To go back. Right, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but the, the, the parsha there says that Simcha is the key for being saved from punishment. Because if there's no Simcha, it's an automatic domino effect that a person is going to fall. If there's no simcha in your Judaism, the chances that you're able to continue with it and to pass it on to your children is very scarce. There's a very famous story of two families that came to Ellis Island in the 1920s, whatever, 19, before World War I or after World War I, whatever. And back then, for a Jew to be observant in America was almost impossible because you had to work six days a week, including Shabbat. The day of rest was Sunday. If you didn't show up to work on Saturday, you find a new job on Monday, that's it, okay? So the two families, religious families from Eastern Europe, they came to Ellis Island, they came to New York, okay? The first family, nowhere am I gonna work on Shabbat. If that's the case, you're gonna lose your job, okay, so I'll find every time a new job. So 
He, the first week, Shabbat, he didn't go to work. They told him, you're fired. He got paid for just a week. He spent, until he found another job, so there was a few days lost. And then the next Shabbat, he didn't work again. So he had no, he got, he got fired again. The, the third week, it was harder to find a job. And his despair was very strong, that the whole family felt it. Plus, that he was worried, and he's seeing his kids having no food at the Shabbos table. They're starving and everything. They came as a family. Nothing is there. Nothing was left. He had no choice. He started to work on Shabbat. Okay? And the next generation, he lost all of his kids. The kids intermarried because there's no Shabbat. There's no Ketushinaz. How do you you expect there to be a continuity? Okay? The other family, the father, lost his job. Fine. And the next week, he didn't find a job. So at the Shabbos table, there was no food at the table. But the father was singing the Zmirot as if everything was fine and dandy. This is the will of Hashem. He had his kids on his lap. They're, all, they're starving, but they see the father happy and taking it in such a positive way. They're able to be calm. And Hashem made miracles. He found another job in this and was able to keep on keeping Shabbat. And even though if it was the expense of having actually sustenance, he held on. Hashem opened the doors. His kids learned from the father values of how to be happy and hold on to emunah and bitachon in the, div- the most difficult situations. In the end, they got out of the situation. His children grew up to be from, to be religious, to have ide- ideals and values of Judaism thanks to the ahava, the love, and the, the joy that the father was emitting in his life. Okay? Showing what again? That if there is simcha, then there's, there's an ability to do and to continue. Now the thing is like this, Hashem loves us. Hashem is not a tough God. We see, some people are saying, yeah, well, I've gone through this and this and that and five divorces and this and that and I lost my parents when I was young. You tell me Hashem is a good God. I went to the Holocaust and this. The real truth is, yes, Hashem is good. Your perspective is what de- deciphers the situation. Your situation deciphers. It's not easy. It's, it's easy to say. If I understand, but the real reality is, I can't expect that my conclusion being negative is the absolute truth. There, have to, there has to be left room open that yes, this is a possibility. That this is a good situation. That this eventually is going to build me for something much, much better. That if I pass this test, something amazing is waiting for me in life. A major breakthrough, Bezrat Hashem. So going back, Rabbi Nachman enforces a person has to strive. To be happy always. So the question is, how? <laughs> what do you want me to do to be happy always? For this, Rabbi Nachman said, it seems that because people are so down today, people are so depressed and heavy from life. This is, by the way, Galut. When we say we're in Galut, I mean, if you look at the Jewish people today, people have houses, people have cars, people have food. What's the Galut? What's the Galut? The Galut is that the simcha of being a Jew is in Galut. Galut, Rabbi Nachman teaches, is expressed in relationship to the joy in being connected to God. That's what's missing. That's what has to be worked on. That is what is going to bring Mashiach more than anything else. Because the Pasuk says, like we said, Ki It's not now, oh, I'm, my Torah study and the other mitzvot, they're all valued. They're all, we're not putting down anything. But the spitz, the cherry on top that's going to bring Mashiach more than anything else is having a positive outlook in life and sharing it with others. This is what's going to bring Mashiach. This is the address here. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman said, going back, it seems the way people are so down in their lives and so broken, 
the only way, the main way now for a person to maintain stability in, in coming to genuine happiness is yes, by telling jokes, and yes, by being silly. Now for this, I'm gonna have to make you guys all laugh now. I'm gonna bet I can make everyone now in this room laugh. Are you all ready? Are you ready? Okay. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling. Take off the mask, I have to see the smile, it's not fair. Oh my darling, Clementine. Okay, I see the smile. Very good, anyone smiling? I won, okay, Baruch Hashem. That's acting silly. <laughs> That's what makes you feeling in a positive mood. You see these smiles? You feel better now. You feel a bit better, yes or no? Am I correct? There's a bit, you said, there is a, a what's it called, the hakala. There's a lightening of the burden that you had when you came into the room today. There's hakala. Jokes, silliness, even though it seems stupid. Okay, another joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get together. No, because Colonel Sanders is running after him. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> jokes like this, yes. Like this, kipshuto. Getting, getting you into a happy attitude, even though it's empty. But because you're a Jew... And you want genuine simcha, you're doing it for this intent, that's holy, that's good. That is something that we should embrace, and yes, build on Bezat Hashem. If it requires telling jokes and acting funny and everything, you go to sometimes to some Hasidic shuls or whatever, and everyone's cold, cold like stone, you can cut them, you can take a hammer and cut the person, he's so cold. What you need is to break the ice, to do a little boogie, you know, a little BGs, whatever, to do a little something just to make people smile, it's worth it. It opens up the doors, Bezat Hashem. Okay? That's his main advice, Rabbi Nachman. But sometimes that doesn't work because your person is so overwhelmed and they can't even think about telling a joke right now or acting silly. I need some strength even for that. Even to tell a joke sometimes, you need, you need, you need an incentive of force. And sometimes there's no one, no one around you to tell you a joke. Someone who's in a better situation than you and that they should tell you a joke and act silly, there's no one around. She so has another advice, Rabbi Nachman of simply turning on some music and dancing. Yes, put on some happy, uplifting music, preferably Jewish religious music, a Karlabach Nigun, a Yossi Green Nigun, whatever gets you on a high and start dancing and being besimcha. That movement out of joy, out of music, also activates simcha. It's very important, something very, very important that a Jew have in their daily life, music and song. In breast of communities all over the world, every day, every day after the morning prayer, and I always wonder why is it after, it should be before, but it's after the morning prayer, and after the evening prayer, they dance, they, they take hands, and they dance in a circle, every day, not just on Shabbos, and Yom Tov, and Rosh Chodesh, whatever, every day, there is this conduct to dance, Rav Nosson, he had a disciple, and he told him like this, I'll give you an advice, how to get into Gan Eden, dance every day, even if it means to dance by yourself, there's no one to dance with, you're in the middle of work, you have a busy day, you have like a 10 minute coffee break, you close the door, you close the blinds, you put on your favorite music and you start booging and dancing and everything to get into that happy attitude. Yes, that's good. It gets you in a positive attitude. It's much better than having the built up stress and then having your coffee break and then continuing where you left off in that stress. It's much better to cut the initial stress and now I can start scratch and have a recharge to be able to start, start brand new. That's, that's preferred, okay? That's the second way he brings down. The number three is by finding your good points. Because most, most people, unfortunately, when they wake up even, 
wake up on the wrong side of bed, meaning, oh, I have to do this, I woke up late. The guy, especially by men, by men it's a big problem. The man who tries to wake up on time for davening, instead of waking up for his minion at 6, he wakes up at 10. So Mr. Oscar the, Oscar the Grouch, what is he saying? But what does the halakha say? When a Jew wakes up in the morning, what's the first thing he has to say? Modeani. <laughs> you're, you're Oscar the Grouch, but the Torah says, requires of you to say Modeani, not, not to do Oscar the Grouch, we're not looking for that. I tell people sometimes, if you got out of bed there on, and you got angry, go back into bed and get out of, say Modeani and then get out a second time, but don't do like that. Just a story on the side. There was a wrestler in pre-World War II Poland, and uh, he once went to visit a sick man, and the sick man was lying in bed, and he was so happy that this uh, chassid came to visit him. So he said, you know, I prepared a bowl of soup. Help yourself with the soup. So he did that. He took some soup. And he saw that the soup wasn't tasty. He took the soup. He poured it on the floor. And he said, this is a soup of depression. He took the man out of his bed, the sick guy. He started dancing with him. And he said, I'll make another pot of soup. And you're going to see it's going to taste much better. And he did that. And it tasted better. Fine. This is the soup of atzvu. The soup of sadness. Okay. Going back, finding the good points. Finding the good points, Rabbi Nachman says, is so important. Because the main attitude of people, unfortunately, is to see everything black. And that's the nature of a person. The Al-Sheikh on the Chumash, he explains that Hashem made it that the human eye is designed that sight comes out of the pupil. And even though the pupil is see-through, but when you see the pupil, it looks black. Right? It's a black color. When you, when you make a picture of a person's face, the pupil looks black. Okay? Why is that? Because it's the nature of a person to see everything black. That's the nature. That's expected. It's expected to you look at things, uh, 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 everything is constipated, everything is upside down. That's expected. Okay? What to work on, what needs to be worked on, is building a positive attitude. No one's born with it. You have some people, she's always a happy person, she's always like this, he's like that. They worked on it. No one's born like that. To, to, to be positive and good and, and sometimes you feel bad. Well, look what type of family they grew up with and that, that's all excuses, that's bogus. The real emmet is that everybody's born with black, black, black pupils, right? And the, the, the idea is to get out of that to be positive. It's a work. So because of that, Rabbi Nachman emphasizes so much, look at your good points. More than this, if you're able to find your good points, then automatically you'll get along with other people. When you see someone who's very negative in everyone, it's because they're negative with themselves. You see this especially in, in a Jewish home. That when a father is upset at his wife or of his children, it's because he's having a hard day. He's having a hard day and everything, so there's repercussion, there's a ripple effect on everyone else around them. You don't want to be around that person when he's upside down. But Ribona Shalom, you have to work on yourself. You have to try to find a means how to find your good points, to work on it, okay? This is the third advice given by Rabbi Nachman. Number four, which really is the, 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 the real deal here, for someone who's really spiritually sick, that jokes don't get to him. Okay, he needs someone around him, he needs the right atmosphere to tell the joke and everything. He needs the right atmosphere and the ability to have the strength to turn on the CD or the, the, the tape player to put on some Jewish music. He doesn't have that strength, he's so broken. He doesn't have clarity to find his good points, his head is so upside down. So there is another advice, which is really the strong deal, is that a person needs a tzaddik in his life, his or her life. They need access to a tzaddik, a true tzaddik of such a high caliber, that no matter what I'm going through in life, 
this tzaddik, which is like a yesod, the platform for me, can always give me that boost whenever I need it. Whenever I need to have access to a tzaddik, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a physically living tzaddik. It can be a tzaddik even who's passed on, who's left such powerful teachings that even after he's gone, you feel such a relationship to his teachings. This is talking directly to me, what I'm going through right now in my life. How does he, end, how does he have the Ruch HaKodesh, something written 200 years ago, and it's written exactly what I'm going through. I don't believe it. Ruch HaKodesh and such and works of tzaddikim, especially the graves of tzaddikim. The graves of tzaddikim is, believe it or not, a very, very big and precious weapon and gift that we have now before Mashiach comes. Because graves of tzaddikim, as opposed to living tzaddikim, have unlimited access to opening up Hashem's compassion upon a person. A physical tzaddik, being by definition physical, is limited. There's only a limitation how much he can daven from Israel and activate because he's physically limited. Whereas a tzaddik who's passed on, and the Gemara says clearly, the Gemara, the Midrash, the Zohar, they all say that tzaddikim are far, far greater after their passing more than when they are alive. So that's the case. The greatness is expressed in their ability how to help a person out in his difficult situations. So graves of tzaddikim, big tzaddikim, big ones, you know, that have big shoulders, that is a major boost to help a person to have that strength starting over again. Rav Nosen, he, he, he compares this to the destruction of the temple. The Gemara says, that the first and second temple, besides the, the western wall being untouched, the Kever, the, the Kotel Amaravi, there was another item that was not touched by the enemies. They burnt the Beit HaMikdash, but up to the Yesod, up to the foundation stones, but not, not including the foundation stones. In other words, they burnt just the top part, the roof, and the upper part of the temple was burnt, but the foundation stones were left there. So if Nelson explains, and that this applies to every Jew. When a Jew is burnt out, he's burnt out. His head, the head corresponds to the Holy of Holies of every Jew. The Kodesh Kodashim in the Beit HaMidosh is like the brain, the mind. And the heart is like the tabernacle, the, the Mizbeach, the altar. Okay? Bilvavi Mishkan Evne, that song, right? It's on, the, it's on the heart. So you have the heart and the mind, which is like a person's miniature temple. A person could be burnt out. He did things or went through things in their life that literally burnt the person. If he has a tzaddik that he rests upon, the burning is up to the yesod. In other words, I've been burnt, but since I'm standing on a platform, I rely upon the merit and the strength and the teachings and the prayers of these tzaddikim, and just by, by, by on the side. As much as Hashem wants your prayers, and that's the truth, still there is an extra benefit that you go to tzaddikim to daven for you. Like we see clearly in the Torah, when Kalev ben Yefune was so afraid of being influenced negatively by the spies, by the slander of the spies, what does the Torah say? What does Rashi explain? That he went alone to Hebron to prostrate at the graves of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Sarah, Rivka, and Leah. And he cried, he said clearly, the Gemara says this in Sota clearly, he said, my ancestors, my forefathers, my matriarchs, Daven for me. Pray for me. Pray for me that I don't fall into the trap of the, of the evil plans and plottings of the, of the ten spies. These ten spies, by the way, they were big shots. They weren't regular people. They were big people. They were super duper uh, strong in the, in, the, in the... I lost track because of what she said. Sorry. 
the, 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 the caliber of, of, the, of the Avot, of the, in the Maot, is super duper strong. Sorry, sorry, the, the, the spies, now I got it. The spies were very influential. They were very bad. They were high people. Because of that, there was more of a danger of Caleb being convinced. So he needed a, an additional boost. In AA, by the way, you know, those alcohols, and all, they have the 12 steps. One of the steps, and by the way, it's a Jewish idea also. You should know, just you should know, on the side of Chaim Kramer, by the way, he's putting out a breast of perspective of the 12 steps. God willing, it should be a very big success, God willing, Bezat Hashem. One of them is that you need belief and access to a spiritual level above your own level. Okay? Of course it's Hashem, but in our context, it's also having access to tzaddikim. If Hashem wanted Judaism just to be Hashem and the Torah and the Jewish people, so there would be no need for Moshe Rabbeinu and Jewish leaders, just Hashem directly teach the Torah and give it over. No, Hashem designed the Torah that there are tzaddikim as a part for many purposes, not just to teach, but they have a merit. There's a holiness that brushes off the teachers. Moshe Rabbeinu can't be that he's teaching such a high Torah and he's a nobody. It can't be that way. It has to be that he has the capacity to receive this Torah and give it over with that energy level of holiness that can adapt to it, meaning I can also access him to help me fulfill the Torah. That's the idea of tzaddikim and praying by graves of tzaddikim that they should daven for you also. Hashem wants your prayers, yes, but it's multiplied much, much more when you're davening and you have a yesot. Okay? This is Rav Nossin's, Rav Nachman's big advice, how a person can always be happy. Because no matter what you go through, you're not alone. That's the whole thing here. It could be that a Jew has his Shabbat, his Torah, his Shul, but they're depressed because they're alone. I feel all alone in my situation. I feel nobody can relate to me. I have no one to talk to. I went to this rabbi. I went to this therapist. I went to this coach. I went to this friend. And nothing they're saying is settling on my heart. Nothing they're saying is getting to me. When that happens, a person needs to find a tzaddik. And the beginning of the healing of getting to a tzaddik starts with the search itself. By already asking Hashem, help me to find this tzaddikim. Help me to find the address that can help me. That already begins to activate this process of receiving from this tzaddikim. The power of speech is so powerful that when, what you dove in for, coming from your heart, begins to move these things in life. Bezat Hashem. I think we're okay for now. Bezat Hashem. And we should be zochot to fulfill what Rabbi Nachman says Amen. on being the happy always. And remember... Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling, Clementine, Sir Alpha Alpha, Mazat Hashem. Or if you have any questions or comments, maybe someone wants to say something. Bro. Recording stop. The North Sea. Huh? The North Sea. The North Sea, thank you. Thank you. All right, we're okay? You know what happened? Your meeting ended because it was free. And then.